0: to offer a warm welcome to all of you who are joining us today. I am Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbert. This is the Common Sense Gospel, and today we're looking at the voice of the devil. This really is going to be part one. Mm-hmm. We, we see three times that uh, we hear, three individual times in scripture that the devil actually speaks, and it's recorded for us to read about. We're starting in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3 is a very big part of everything really. Uh, And and there's a lot to see and to cover here. We we won't get to it all, but we're going to focus specifically on what the devil is doing and and how he uses his time in scripture to speak to mankind. Uh, Genesis 3 is the reason why these last 6,000 years of human history have gone the way that they have. Genesis 3 is the introduction to our greatest enemy, the devil. And it is here that we see the way that he functions. Genesis 3 captures the moment when sin enters into the world. It is the fall of man, as it's often referenced. We call it the fall sometimes, that this is it. This is Genesis 3. Man separated from his creator, Almighty God. Genesis 3 is the beginning of prophecy. It's the first time prophecy is recorded for us about the seed of the woman and uh, the the rest of time for the serpent, for the devil. So this beginning of prophecy in Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is the first time that blood is shed as a substitutionary atonement. We are told that the Lord God made tunics of skin for Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. So it's just a a massive turning point. Genesis 1 and 2, God saw that everything was good. He says repeatedly, it's good. Chapter 3 is where man chooses, we want to stress that, chooses to sin and loses fellowship with God. And the rest of the Bible is about God fixing it and his plan to redeem mankind. So Genesis 3, it, it is huge. Uh, and we want to look at that and, and read that together. We we'll Read the first eight verses. Is that good? Um, mm-hmm. And then comment about that. Anything before we read that you want to say? or uh,
1: No, uh, other than just... It has always interested me that God allows us to hear the voice of the murderer, the liar, uh, the deceiver, Um, and we we can learn about Satan and what he's like just by his name, Satan. In Hebrew just means adversary, but it takes on the value of a proper name uh, throughout the Bible, just like Christ just means anointed one. But that exalted name, it it takes on the position of his name, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. There are many interpolations of that in in the New Testament. The word devil, or the Greek is diablo, simply means the accuser or the slanderer. And we see him here slandering God to man. He does nothing but belittle and speak evil of God and his motives Mm -hmm. in this whole exchange. Um, And we're going to notice that when we look at the other two times subsequent to this that that Satan speaks. So, by his names, by his works, which we can see all around us, the misery and the evil and the hatred that's in this world is all from the hand of Satan. uh, And those who have chosen to follow him. So, it's important. The the New Testament tells us that we need, need to know our enemy. Um, we need to know about him, as Paul said in Second Corinthians two eleven, lest Satan should take advantage of us. That's right. Because we're not ignorant of his devices. Nope. Uh Ephesians six eleven, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you cannot successfully fight against your enemy, the one who seeks to destroy you, unless you know where he's coming from, what he's about, how That's does right. he operate, who yeah. is he. You've got to know your enemy. So God allows us to do that. And the Holy Spirit has permitted three times the the evil voice of Satan to be heard by us so we can learn what our enemy's like and how he will approach us. Yeah. And here's number
0: one. We have Adam and Eve. Uh, The Lord has made Eve from Adam's rib. She has been presented to Adam. He has called her Eve and... uh, that Genesis two twenty four. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So chapter 3 and verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. This happened pretty quickly, just eight verses.
1: Hmm. And there's... (laughs) There is so much in this passage. But we're just going to focus on what uh, what the devil said. And uh, it's significant that he starts out with a question. Hmm. Has God indeed said? And so what he's doing here is <clears throat> really, uh, he starts out by questioning the goodness of God. Did he really say this? Um, but I also think it's significant to see how Satan approaches it differently from God. Um, his question is, did God really say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, that's not what God said. No. Nope. God said you may eat of every tree in the garden. That's right. It is all yours except that one, and here's why. So God approached it from the negative. Everything's yours, you may eat everything. Yeah but not that one but satan starts to cast doubt on that did he really say you couldn't eat of every tree well he did but he didn't say it that way he didn't put it that way and so here is the attempt to suggest that any limitation that god might put on man is something that's bad and we hear the the echoes of that today you know how many times have we heard someone say or uh, heard about the complaint that, well, Christians just don't have any fun. Mm-hmm. If I became a Christian, I'd, I'd, I'd stop having fun. Yeah. I, can't, I can't do what I get to do, you know? Well, that's exactly what Satan's doing here. Mm-hmm. You know, God put this limitation on you, is that really a good thing? Well, now the wheels are turning, and that's what, uh, that's what Satan has begun with this opening question. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, the one thing about the devil, which is important for us too, I think in the day and age we live in, is that he doesn't take the fruit himself and cram it down her throat. You know, he doesn't pin her down and say, you're gonna eat this.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: right. so people say, well, the devil made me do it. That kind of, that, that is a cop out. Mm-hmm. You decided to do it. Now he may, he may have set something in front of you. He may have been nudging you in one way or another, but the reality of that can't be proven. The, the reality that can be proven is that he he knows he can't force it. Is he, so he says, has God really said this? I mean, mm-hmm. why and why? Why did he say that? Think yeah. think about that. What's what's his Just purpose? What's his agenda? Down. What why is why is he putting something in front of you that you can't have? And so, yeah, the the, the doubt that's planted, he needs her to go get it, he needs her to take it mm-hmm. off the tree, he needs her to eat it for herself, <laughs> or it won't be the sin or it won't be the breaking of the commandment that God had given. So even in even in his approach, he knows what God has said. And he's trying to get her to decide that, hey, this is actually good for you and God's trying to keep you from having it. And I like what you said, that as she's responding, she doesn't give the word of God the way it was given right. to Adam. In In verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying... Of every tree of the garden which you pointed out, you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. She says we can't eat it or touch it lest we die. That's yeah. not what he said. Yeah. He said you will surely die. And so again, it's just a slight changing of mm-hmm. changes of the wording that kind of opened the door a little bit. Yeah. Which is what. The temptation would be of a preacher or someone who's looking at the Word of God to kind of alter that because it's a little stronger than we prefer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we open the door to where well, you know what? Maybe we
1: can. He didn't say we couldn't. Yeah. Right. Well, it, and that's a, a an interesting point. Look at the subtleties here. Mm-hmm. Some might say, well, I don't, I don't see the big deal in that point. Well. The Old King James Version, I think it is, says the serpent was more subtle Mm. than any beast. The New King James says more cunning. Yeah, Well, yeah. when you're trying to get someone to change what they've always been doing and do it your way, which is going to have immense consequences, you just don't come right, hey, go over there and eat that fruit, it's good. You've got to change their view of what they've experienced all their life. yeah, And that's what Satan's doing here. They haven't had to question God. They haven't doubted him. He's not done anything to them. And interesting, you, you pointed out, Satan, you know, the devil made me do it. But the devil can't make you do anything. That's right. And God won't make you do anything. Right. So right. God leaves it all up to us. He says, here's the good. And the consequences. Here's the bad, and the consequences. I leave it up to you to choose.
0: He wants you to choose life.
1: Yeah, but it's choose up to life. You. He says yeah. repeatedly. Yeah,
0: that's, that's and, awesome. and that's
1: what he did here. Yeah, that's right. Here's the good. That's something you shouldn't do, because here's what's going to happen if you do. It's your choice. And he's he is wanting them to know the good by choosing it. Yeah, choose to do the good. Then you'll know that evil's anything different from that. Satan is going the same route. He's saying, I want you, here's the difference between good and evil, and you'll know the difference by experiencing the evil. Right. And that has the destructive consequences that, that we see taking place here. That's right.
0: We don't want anyone to be tripped up about that. You know, people say, well, why did the Lord even put a tree? What, what's the point? The point is that if there wasn't a choice to be made, then He just simply made a creation that, it, that has no choice other than to be. In the, cir- in the circumstance that he created them to be in, and then the relationship isn't genuine, because if if there's not something else for me to choose, then my love for you, my devotion for, for you, can't be proven. Right? right? There's no there's no alternative, and so he's setting something in the midst, which I think is that that wording is on purpose. It's in the midst. Sin is in our midst too, and we have the choice. It's always hanging there. It's always in front of us. So it's in the midst. It's there. But as you pointed out, the free will to choose, mm-hmm. that's what makes our free will what it is. Yeah.
1: Because if it wasn't a choice, there wouldn't be free will. And then if we choose the good, our love and and the appreciation we have for the benefits of that, the blessings God gives, are validated. They're implanted. Absolutely. Because if I can't make a choice, then whatever I get is valueless. Right. Here, this. take this. Okay. It's mine now, <laughs> yeah. but if that's what I choose to have, then that's what I value. Yeah, and that, that's why, before we go on to the next one, I'll just say. The idea that man has no choice in his salvation, God chooses you to be saved and you to be lost. You know, what uh, here, I'm, I'm making a distinction. Danny's saved, Kurt's lost. They have no choice in the Neither matter. Neither one of them can do anything about that it. That is abhorrent. Yeah, absolutely. We don't see that here. Okay, God saved me, uh, what appreciation do I have for that? Uh, you know, it's like a kid, you give the kid a new bike, two weeks later he's leaving it laying on the ground because it's lost its shininess and he doesn't care. That's right. He gave he nothing He doesn't value it. the yeah, gift. That's right. So same thing here, God has placed, like, like as you pointed out, God has placed that choice before them so that their relationship with him could be strengthened. Absolutely, because I chosen to do the good. Because here's how God has always uh, related to me before this episode comes into play. Yeah. He's provided everything. He's walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. So there's perfect fellowship. There's perfect provision. It's a it's a paradise. Yep. Is a term that the Scriptures use. It is a perfect garden. To Greater live than in. we know. By yeah, the way. <laughs> we can't even picture it. No. Nope. So what's the, next, what's the next point? So the next one, uh, we see uh, Satan denying the severity of God. After Eve's, re- Eve's response, he instantly says, you will not surely die. How many words did he change there, by the way, <laughs> in the word of God?
0: God oh, says, oh, you man. will surely die. Yeah, you will.
1: Just one word. One, yep. one word's added to the word of yeah, God. You will not surely die, which is a direct contradiction. Just one word directly contradicts what God has said. So what he's saying is, you can disobey with no consequences. You're you're not going to die. But in denying the severity of God, and I think a passage that is so important is, Paul reminds us in Romans, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Both make up God. Why? Well, his goodness demonstrates his mercy and his grace. His severity demonstrates his justice. That's right. God is a holy God. He cannot and he will not let sin slide. He has to deal with it. And he's a consuming fire. Yes. So rebellion against God and wrongdoing before him has to be addressed. Otherwise, if he's not going to punish sin, if he's not severe then he's not good either right because a good god will take care of what is bad yep and this is denied uh, to to see it in our, our world today it's denied on both sides of that coin the atheist will say well god isn't good because look at all the misery and the suffering in the world that he and he's not doing anything about it so your god isn't powerful enough to do anything about it or he's not good enough to do anything about it he just in fact, he causes it and he just lets it go and he sits up there and laughs about it. Yeah, and this is so, in worship. God isn't good, therefore he's not God, because he's, he's not going to deal with that. Well, in our modern world, theologically, the Calvinist says God's not severe. Oh yeah, he's going to punish sinners severely, but their idea is he won't punish you if you're one of the people he chose he really, to save, really chose like yeah. we mentioned before. Yeah. I might sin, but God isn't going to punish that, Mm. well, then he's not good either. That's right. So if you deny one, you're denying both, the goodness and the severity of God. Uh, If he's he's too good to punish sin, as people will say, well, he's going to, maybe only someone who's a really bad sinner God's not going to save. Well, give me a definition of really bad sin. (laughs) That's our level, that's our estimation. God says, I will punish sin, period. It doesn't matter what it is, it's sin. And sin must be judged. So it's it's an important point here when Satan denies the severity of God. You can do this and what he said is gonna happen is not going to happen. You don't have to worry about that. And we're gonna notice in a moment his uh why he says that mm. Satan supports that that uh, assertion of his Man, it's, he's called God a liar yes and now the
0: reality yep. is is that one of them is a liar
1: that's right, right. yeah
0: they are saying the opposite he's God says you shall surely die the devil says you're not gonna die yeah somebody's lying and imagine Eve now, and for the first time in her life, this idea is offered to her. She knows that if you eat it, you'll die. And so her and Adam have agreed, we don't want any part of that. So they've chosen the good. For the first time, this idea is offered saying, oh, you're not going to die. The, the reality is God's, God doesn't want you to be like him, not fully like him. So he's withholding it from you. And Jesus tells us in John 8:44 that he is a liar. He says, you yes. are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Is that true? Boy, it is. Yep, he killed Adam and Eve. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. And so nothing's yep. changed for us today. He's still offering things to us that God says, "Don't touch, don't take part in, don't be involved in that," and and the devil's still setting them before us, saying, "It's not, that's not what's going to happen." Yeah. What something's being held back from you that you could enjoy, which goes back to the initial point you were making—that people think, "Well, then I can't have fun." Really? Yeah. What, what's
1: your definition of fun? Exactly. <laughs> I I like to go get drunk so I can stagger out of bed with a splitting headache the next day and fall and smash my face, and I didn't even know what I did. did.
0: And and the Bible's (laughs) not afraid to mention to us that sin is pleasurable for a season. Oh, yeah. She saw that it was pleasant. Mm -hmm. She saw that it was able to do something that she she desired for it to do. So he sets this in front of her, and then her mind, her imagination, allows to run wild on how great this is really going to be, which, again, the drunk picture is a good one because... Say, man, we're having the blast, man. We're, I love you guys. The next day, it's still part of the choice you made, right? The next morning when you wake up, it's still part of the choice that you made the night before. And yeah. you, are you having fun? No. Yeah. Are your kidneys stronger and more healthy than they were before you started this terrible decision? No. Yeah. You know, you're know you killing yourself.
1: Yeah, and if you, <laughs> like so many people do, they, they they go out to the bar to see... Who they can hook up with, as it, oh, as that'll it be stated fun today. Too, it? Well, like you said, sin is pleasurable for a season. Mm-hmm. How are they going to feel, maybe decades later, when they've got one or more sexually transmitted diseases? Yeah, there's a alone consequence. In, yeah, alone it at may the not it office. may not happen instantly, but is that fun? Oh, it was fun way back then, but it's not so much fun now. But people. Don't want us to, to consider that. That's I right. want the, the moment. That's right. I'll right put now. whatever happens later, I'll deal with. Yeah. Have fun <laughs> dealing with diseases that now can't be cured with antibiotics. You know, we always try to escape the consequences of sin. But you can only do that so long. Yeah. I want to sin, but I don't want any of the bad things that come with it. So, you know, if I get pregnant, I can just go get an abortion. Yeah. See, the consequences are taken care of. Then once you heal up from that, you can go out and sin again. Even in that, the devil doesn't let you reason there. He he says,
0: "Yeah, you're not going to get.
1: Yeah. You won't get disease. This isn't going to happen to you. No. Same thing. You'll do it the right way. And maybe it won't. Maybe you won't catch a disease or suffer some other consequence for a particular sin Mm. in this life. Yeah. But you will suffer the consequences in eternity. That's right. And Satan is always trying to hide that from us. Yeah. Well, then we can look at the last point that he makes here. And here's the reason. When he says to Eve, you'll not surely die. Well, now that's a direct contradiction from God, or of God. So now here's the reasoning. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So you won't die because this is what's really going on. He, what he's doing here is impugning God's motives. Yeah. God knows you'll be like him that's exactly when you eat of this tree. Yeah. So that's that's the issue, not that whether you're going to die or not. That's not going to happen to you because this is really what's behind it all. God doesn't really want you to be like him. And that, again, is a flat-out lie. Uh and if anyone has ever wondered what does it mean when Jesus calls Satan the father of lies well here are the f- this is the first set of lies ever in the bible mm-hmm. every time Satan has opened his mouth in this dialogue he's lied he's originated lying in the creation he's the father of it he wants to murder Adam and Eve and he's doing it to kill them he that's hates right. their relationship with god yep and that's what he do- does to us he lies to us If we listen to him and fall into sin and reap the fruits of sin, which is death, then he's accomplished his purpose. He lies in order to kill us. There is nothing good that Satan wants for us. That's right. But uh, just note on this last point, God a couple times in the New Testament tells us what his motives are. Uh, John says in 1 John 3, 2, that we don't know what he's, Jesus is like, he's speaking specifically of Jesus. But we know that when we see him, we shall be as he is. Yeah. We'll be like him. Well, then that's something God wants mm-hmm. for us to be like him. And Peter uh, clearly states it. He says in first, uh, Second Peter 1.3 that his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, not death and sinfulness. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may, what, be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, God wants us to share in His divine nature. Not that we'll be God's, but we'll be like Him. We will love as He does. We will have compassion and mercy as He does. We'll strive to live live in holiness and purity as He does. That's what He wants. That's why He's done everything He's done. That's why He allowed His Son to die on the cross, so that we would have the opportunity to be like Him. What a lie Satan has told in order to justify his arguments to get Eve to try to, you know, to disobey God and then suffer the consequences. Right, which we see today, the consequences. Yep, that's what we're living in. Yep. Um, when the atheist says, well, look at all the misery behind us, they blame God. Yeah. God is either not good enough to do anything about it, or he's not powerful enough to do anything about it. Either way, he's not God. Therefore, there is no God, no friend. Why is there so much misery in the world? Because of you. Stan. Yep. Not that you are the originator of all the misery we see around us, but you are forwarding it. You're encouraging it by denying God. It's our sin that causes all this misery, the choices we make, not God. And, you know, just as a side note on that, someone might say, well, why, is, why doesn't God do anything about this misery? Well, he has. He's given his son to give us an escape. As Peter said at the end of verse 4 in 2 Peter 1, uh, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Yeah, he's fully aware of it. So, does anyone out there want out of the misery and the suffering that we see? God gives us the answer. He's told us how to do it. Yeah. Now, it may not necessarily end the misery and the suffering. That's right, that's right. But it is the answer. Because now I'm not one of those that is contributing to this misery and suffering. And... With my relationship to God, I know that misery and suffering will not follow me out of this life. That's right. So, it's promised. we cannot listen to the voice of the devil. Jesus has not lied to us. He says, you shall know the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life. Yep. And we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Amen. So... Why is there so much suffering? I, I think a second aspect of that is God is calling us. He's letting us wallow in this misery with the intention that we will wake up and realize it is no fun to be in this mud wallow with the pigs. Yeah. I need to do something about this. I'm tired of hatred and suffering and misery and war and all the instability and the, the insanity that we see around us. There has to be an answer yeah. and God has provided it. So he's using that as a prod to get us to turn and start looking for the alternative. Yeah. Just as uh, Jesus told Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. <laughs> You've got some problems going on here that you're kind of trying to deny it's hard for you to do that. Yep. It hurts to do that. You're kicking against the goads. Ouch. Those <laughs> things are sharp. Well, Paul learned, here's the answer to get out of that situation. Stop kicking. Yeah, stop kicking. So the devil uses the three
0: tools, the most powerful tools that he has in setting her in front of the fruit to see it, mm-hmm. to look yeah. at it. When Just she saw right the tree mm-hmm. was good for food, the lust of the flesh. That it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. It is the pride of life. Those are the three. He uses the same three tools yeah. against Jesus when he stands before him. Yep. John John told us that's exactly his playbook. That's right. And and so we have to remember that he not, he doesn't play fair. He doesn't play nice. He doesn't he not he's not your friend. He hits you as hard as he can. As fast as he can to rip you out of the hands of Almighty God to destroy your soul. He wants to see you go to hell. And so he's going to use the very same weapons. He, so his, his arsenal's not changed. No, you, you go same from playbook. G- Genesis 3 all the way to Matthew, you know, what are we, 4,000 years later? He's still using the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And not just against a man, but against one who is man and God at the same time. This is all he has. And yet the power of these three tools is unbelievably strong mm-hmm. against us if we succumb to them. So 1 John two fifteen through 17, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, in other words, if the love of the world is choking out the Father, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. So, so there it is again. Yeah. Turn away from the things of the world. And John makes the point, they're passing away. As great as you think they are, they're all gonna burn with a fervent heat. Don't let that choke out what should be your love for God as you try to take hold of all these things of the world. It's just simply the menu that the devil sets in front of us. The challenge is always gonna be for us to choose. Yes. Make a choice.
1: Stick to it. Stand it. Stand on it. The words of Joshua still ring today. Choose you this day whom whom you you will serve. serve. That's right.
0: That's right. As for me
1: and my house, that's all he can control. That's right. I can make my (laughs) choice and I can influence my household. But your choice is only up to you. And make the right one. Amen. And so that's the
0: first time we see the devil speak. And how much damage he's done when he opened his Disgusting
1: if you want to know mouth. why there's all all the suffering and misery in the world, Genesis 3.
0: Yeah,
1: That's where it all begins. All right,
0: let me offer something else, too. Let, let no one say when he is tempted, ah. I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by, the, by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, Brings forth death. God's not hidden that from us. He's told us the truth about it. This is how it works. You are not tempted by God. Do not be deceived, brethren. The very next verse uh, everything that is good, God is the giver of all that is good and perfect. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, from which there is no shadow of turning, no variation or shadow of turning. So, James uh, just brilliantly, by inspiration of spirit, tells us how all of that works. And we've got to be on guard because he's still setting those things in front of us today. Yep. Choose. Make a choice. Same approach. And be sure about it. It's mm-hmm. a good thing. Because once you choose the Lord, now you have, by your own free will, said, this is what I will take. Yeah. I don't want this shiny stuff that's offered temporarily. I want what's eternal. And then in that choice, you, you are stronger just in that very moment. Mm-hmm. You strengthen yourself in, in the Word of God. All of that's good for us you want to ask me a question or two that's tough? Yeah. Trivia,
1: sweet trivia. Let's test you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> with, All right, you go with, first. OK. Uh, simple question. What psalm did Moses write? I want to say 96. You're, you're in the ballpark. 90. Yes, there you go. Okay. I don't know why now. Well, 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 you got on the second guess. <laughs> uh, do you know how it starts? Can you quote the opening?
0: No, but it's one of those things that once I saw it, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Yeah, you'd know it. How uh, does it start?
1: The reason that this was drilled into me, uh, shortly after I became a Christian, I would turn the radio on at night and, and go to go to sleep to it. And it was a, a program that just was nice soft uh psalms hymns and spiritual songs mm. but the announcer always opened it with psalm 90 lord you have been our dwelling place in oh. all generations yeah nice. before the heavens were created and the and the worlds were brought forth you are god uh beautiful opening but yes psalm 90 is the only one written by moses
0: our dwelling place yeah Ties nicely to the Garden of Eden, too, doesn't it? You are our dwelling place. Yeah. All generations.
1: Yep. Yeah. He's available. It, it could have been, yeah. And he will restore paradise. Awesome. He's, he's in the work of doing that. But, yep, yeah, good, good shot on that one.
0: So you gave us the verse, Psalm 90. Yeah. Question number one for you, what was John the Baptist's father's name? Zechariah. That's right. Zechariah, Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. Zechariah had some trouble believing all that was being said to him. Yeah. But <laughs> yep. the Lord dealt with that too, too. So he was mute for nine months. <laughs> yeah. And they're right. The boy's name's going to be John. Yeah. That's what the angel said.
1: All righty. Uh, so my second one. Um, when uh, the disciples asked Jesus, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover for you? Uh, John sent some disciples into town to take care of that. Who led the way to the place where they were going to hold the Passover? Who led the way? Mm -hmm. How'd they find it?
0: Oh, okay. I I thought you meant that when the men were headed there, who like who was in front or something, but no. Who showed them the room and how to find it? A man carrying a a pot of water. Yes.
1: That's right. Mark 14, verses 13 through 15 says, Jesus told him, you'll see a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, and he'll lead you to the place. And so that's exactly what happened. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: Typically, the women went to the water, to the well to draw water, typically. Uh-huh. Uh, we see that consistently in Scripture. Women go to the well to draw water. And so for some reason, there's a guy walking around with a, a pitcher of water, and he says, when you see it. And so just imagine those disciples walking into town, the two. And saying, "Hey, there's a guy <laughs> just like the Lord. Look at that dude. <laughs> what do we do?" Well, <laughs> Jesus him. said, "Follow him." <laughs> okay, let's see if he goes into a house. Sure enough, yeah. everything unfolded just the way he and said. They found a place. They found an upper room made ready, and, and even in that, for the feast. It's he's, he's victorious in that. He yeah. he he has set up every step of the way to go to partake of the the Last Supper with his disciples. The Last Supper he will eat with them. Um, He's in charge of all of it, and he willingly goes according to his Father's will. He's choosing to take those steps to the cross. Yeah, that's awesome. He knows exactly what he's doing. He sure does, and he lets them participate in it. Hmm. Final question of the day, how many wives and concubines did Solomon have?
1: I always get this mixed up, It's 700 wives and 300 concubines. Yeah, you got it right. 700 wives, 300 concubines, Uh, so it's 1,000 women. A thousand mothers-in-law, thousand <laughs> mother-in-laws, and oh, a thank thousand you. anniversaries to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, how did he have time for anything else? <laughs> Seriously, you're the king. You got
0: a lot going on, and you—I mean, how many? That's a lot of weddings. <laughs> oh man, celebrations!
1: Wow, a lot of kids. And as 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 the wives weren't enough. Three hundred concubines. I know. What do you need them for? Yeah. He's a king. Yeah. You can do what you want. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, we both did well today. Yeah,
1: 100%. We should
0: be proud of ourselves. Not to the point of being sinful, obviously. Just, uh,
1: of course not. Just mumbling. Well, I'm, I'm much too humble to be that proud. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, joking, folks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're so humble and you're so aware of it that now you have to start over.
1: Hey, that's right. Maybe I should listen to the Lord. Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest, lest he fall. He fall.
0: Very good. Well, that's how we're going to end today. We thank you for joining us as we always do. We really are thankful and glad that that you've decided to participate in this study today. We hope it's a blessing to you. Um, March forward with the Lord. Let Him be your light and your guide in all that you say and do and watch how He blesses you in your life. It's a beautiful thing and we're thankful that, uh, that you're trying to do that.